Y'all glad to be here? Hey, hey, I got some good news for you. The Christmas season has begun. Are y'all fired up about that? Anybody, anybody excited about Christmas time? All right, all right, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all are already kind of doing the Christmas shopping, already getting things going. And you know, the, the interesting thing about Christmas is that, uh, you know, it's a season. It's not just a day, it's really the whole season. And uh, a lot of people, they just, you know, just, we just want to get in the Christmas spirit. You know what I mean? It's Christmas, man. We want, we want the Christmas feels. We want to feel, you know, you ever get through Christmas, you're like, man, I never really felt like it was Christmas. You know, have you ever done that before? And so we're, we're trying to always trying to get in the Christmas spirit and have the Christmas vibes. And uh, so you, a lot, a lot of times people do different things. You may watch Christmas movies, you know, or make Christmas cookies. Anybody make Christmas cookies yet? All right. Invite me over. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, trying to do things because, you know, you remember when you were a kid, how magical and, and wonderful it all was and exciting. And I want that for my kids. I want that for my grandkids. I, I want them to feel Christmas. But, but here's, here's the deal, man. Uh, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. All right. There's nothing wrong with just wanting to feel the, uh, the Christmas spirit. So sort of, the wonder of Christmas. Uh, but most of the time when we get to the wonder, under part of Christmas, we run to fantasy, right? To just, you know, made up stories, you know, just look at what people decorate in their yards for Christmas. You got to tell, you know, kind of what they're, what they're leaning into for Christmas, a wonder Christmas, some made up fantasy story. But, but here's the real deal. Uh, if you really want to know about the wonder of Christmas, the amazing thing about Christmas, you don't run to fantasy, right? Uh, you're going to find it in reality, you're going to find it in history. You're going to find it in the person of Jesus Christ. That, that's where the wonder and amazement uh, really is. In fact, the Christmas story is rooted in the Old Testament. And uh, God spoke through an, a prophet Isaiah uh, about the coming of the Lord Jesus. And I just want to just mention this uh, by way of introduction this morning in Isaiah 9. Uh, he says these words, for uh, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name, he will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So he's talking about the, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Lord Jesus, and he starts to give all these descriptive words, these adjectives of what his coming will be like, and the very first adjective is the word Wonderful. It's just going to be wonderful. Now, when we say the word wonderful in English, we mean great, right? Like we had a wonderful time on our beach vacation this summer. We just had a wonderful time. Or we had a wonderful time at dinner last night with friends, you know, and the, and the, feed, the food was wonderful, right? What we mean is it was great. But when the Hebrew writers wrote this word wonderful, they did not mean great, the word literally means to be full of wonder, to be full of mystery. Like, it's like we, it's too big. We can't like get our minds right. We can't understand it all. It's too mysterious. It's too full of wonder. It's too lofty for us. In fact, the same word is used in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, God's talking about how God created you in your mother's womb and he knows everything about you. And then at the end of that uh, verse, it says this, this wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to attain it. It's like, man, I just, my mind just can't go there fully understand 
what God is doing. Now, listen, that's what Isaiah said the coming of Jesus is going to be like. It's going to be so full of wonder that you're not really going to be able to understand it all. It's so amazing, so mysterious, so incredible that it's beyond us. It's too lofty. We can never get to the bottom of it. You know, people say, well, you know what? Yeah, Christmas sermons, you know, I, I listen to this guy on, on, uh, on uh, I guess it was Instagram or something like that. And he was talking about preaching Christmas sermons. He said, talked about how hard it is to preach Christmas sermons because, you know, you're only dealing with a handful of texts. I mean, we're all dealing with the same few passages. And, uh, and you know, every year, you know, people are expecting, you know, some big message like today. You're probably going, come on, Craig. Come on, take it up, man. Come on. And, uh, and you're like, man, there's so much pressure. And, and uh, you know, they, they, we only deal with it. But here's the deal. It's beyond us. <laughs> it's too deep a well. I mean, we can't really fully comprehend what God was doing on that very first Christmas night. You may say, well, what's so wonderful about Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. I want you to get your Bible out, open it up to John chapter 1. Because we're going to look at the wonder of Jesus, how he is wondrous uh, to us. John chapter 1. Uh, while you're turning there, let me just... Uh, I'll tell you this short little story. In the early 1900s, there was a, a farmer in southwest Arkansas. Anybody here from southwest Arkansas? Murfreesboro area, Texarkana area. And uh, he was out there just kind of plowing the land, doing what farmers do. And he found this kind of crystal-like rock. He picked it up, uh, took it in. Sure enough, it's a diamond. And what he didn't realize is that his farm was actually a, 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 a field full of diamonds. And of course, once the news got out, a lot of people started coming there to try to find diamonds. And they put up this whole like tent city where people come to hang out. And they, I mean, you could just see all these people everywhere just digging in the ground, digging in the ground, trying to find diamonds. In fact, it was a working diamond mine for several years uh, now it's just turned into part of a state park. In fact, here's a picture of a crater of Diamond State Park. You can still go out there today, dig around the ground. If you find a diamond, it's yours for free, all right? Uh, but the reason why I tell you that is because when you look at John chapter 1, it is a diamond-rich field. Now, that farmer could kind of look out over the farm and go, I don't see anything great, and we move on. And you could do the same thing with this passage. Oh, man, I've heard a hundred sermons out of this thing. Man, I've seen this before. I know all this before. You're not telling me anything I don't already know. But listen, if you just dig around a little bit, if you just dig around, you're going to find some diamonds in here of the wonder of Christmas. In fact, uh, I start off with about uh, seven uh, points and then I cut it down to five points and now I'm down to three points because I'm not preaching an hour and a half, all right? But, uh, but I could. So I'm gonna give you three diamonds to put in your hands uh, to look at, to hold up to the sun and see the glory and the wonder of Christmas. And there's more out there. If you'll dig around this week, you can find them uh, for yourself. But let me give you three diamonds. Uh, wonders of Jesus, all right? Here's the first one. I'll write this down. Uh, the wonder of his identity. The wonder of his identity. Look at John chapter one, beginning at verse one. And this is the word of God, amen? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. 
And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been uh, created. Uh, Here John is really beginning right off the bat with Jesus' messianic resume. If you had a resume, if I were to say, hey, give me me your resume, what would I expect to see on it? Well, at least some of the basic stuff, right? I'd expect uh, name, date of birth, address maybe, and then it kind of get into the body of, of stuff that you've done where you were educated so on. Right off the bat, John starts off with the basics about Jesus. But even the basics are, are mind-blowing and mind-bending to fully uh, understand. For example, birthday, uh, well, look how he starts, in the beginning. <coughs> in the beginning. When, when, uh, when John writes, in the beginning, he's reaching all the way back to the very first words of the Torah, right? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he says in the beginning, he's talking about that beginning, the beginning before time, the beginning before matter, the beginning before space, uh, beginning for anything, there was Jesus existing in the beginning. And when you think about it that way, uh, there was never a time when Jesus did not exist. There's never a time when Jesus will not exist. There, there, Jesus has always been, always will be. He is even now. He was in the beginning. Uh, Jesus doesn't have a birthday, I guess is what I'm saying, all right? He said, well, wait a minute, what, what about Christmas? Isn't that Jesus' birthday? Well, you know, that's when he came into the world, uh, but that wasn't when he began. Uh, Jesus came into the world on that day, but he had existed long before. Now, and this is kind of the difference between you and Jesus, all right? When you were born, uh, that's when you began to exist. You didn't exist beforehand. God knit you together and you gave life in your mother's womb. This is, this is why we're staunchly pro-life because we believe life starts at conception in the womb, right? But that's not the case with Jesus. Even though Jesus was born, Jesus had already pre-existed long before that, reaching all the way back to in the beginning I like what Paul writes in Colossians 1.18. He is the beginning. <laughs> I like that, right? He is, not only was he in the beginning, he, he is the beginning. Everything begins with Jesus. Um, new life begins with Jesus. Uh, if you're looking for new beginnings, you gotta, you're going to find that in Jesus. You know, all of us want new beginnings, right? We want to start over. Uh, every time you hit a bad shot on the golf course, hey, can I just drop a ball, you know, and hit, it, hit that thing again? Can I have another shot at that one? We always want something new. And uh, that's why we look forward to the new year. That's why we celebrate the new year. Uh, because uh, this may have been a horrible year for you. This may have been a terrible year for you. Or it might have been a great year. But we look forward to the new year when we oh, I can turn the page, you know. And now it's a new year. Everything starts fresh again. Well, listen, the way we find newness is we find it in Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, the Bible says, he is a new creation. The old is what? Gone, and the new has come. And so here he is. First thing we learn about Jesus is his existence reaches all the way back to the beginning. What about his name? In the beginning was the word. Circle the term word there. Uh, 
What does that mean? In the beginning was the Word, and he goes on to say, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Uh, down in verse 14, the Word became flesh. What does that even mean? I, I, I know many times when I'm talking with people that, you know, they don't know Jesus and we're reading through this, I was like, what does that even mean? Why does he use the term the Word? Uh, well, a little history here. Hierocletus was a, a Greek philosopher. And uh, he was really the one to originate Greek philosophy as we know it, predating Plato, Socrates. He was the man who uh, coined the phrase, you never step in the same river twice. And he believed that the world is constantly changing and constantly morphing. But he said, the reason why the world doesn't like spin out of control in all this change is that there's some force that holds everything together and that keeps it together and is a source of life in it. And it's a source of reason, it's a source of power that holds everything together. And he coined the phrase, the logos is what does that. The logos, it was an impersonal reason, impersonal force, impersonal force that holds everything together and gives life to everything. It's called the word. Now, Hierocletus lived in Ephesus, which is in modern day Greece today. John, the apostle John is now writing from Ephesus 500 years later. And by the way, if in the beginning perked up the ears of the Jewish audience, uh, the word perked up the ears of the Greek audience. And they're like, in the beginning was the word. This impersonal force that you think that originated and holds everything together. Uh, yeah, that force, the word has a name and his name is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was Jesus you're going to see in verse 14, he's talking about Jesus there. He, he is the word, the one who created everything, that sustains everything. In fact, look at verse 3. That's basically what he says here in verse 3. All things were created through him. Everything in the material world, everything in the earth, everything in the universe, everything in the immaterial world, everything in the, in the heavens. All these things were created through Jesus Christ in the beginning. He holds everything together. Listen, when you feel like life is spinning out, only Jesus holds it together. When you feel like life is so uncertain, only Jesus can hold things together. Listen, I've been married 36 years, all right? Praise God. That is long suffering on Liz's part, all right? Just go up to her and just say, bless your heart, all right? But only Jesus holds a marriage together. Only Jesus can hold a family together. Only Jesus can hold you together when you're going through your darkest times. And here he says, who is this again? What is Jesus' resume? He's from the beginning. He is in the beginning. He existed in the beginning before anything. In fact, everything was created by him and for him. That he is the word, the very source of life. And where exactly does he dwell? Well, look at what it says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God, and he was God. Now we're getting into the deep end of the pool, all right? Now we're getting into the mystery part, the wonder part, the part where we say we can't quite get our mind around it because the Bible teaches us that God exists as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's called the Trinity, 
right? The Bible teaches us that. Yeah, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but over and over and over, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit appearing. I'm not gonna give you a, a whole sub-sermon on that. I've taught on that in other times, but many people try to give their minds around it, right? I remember uh, some said, well, it's kind of like a three-leaf clover. It's like different, different parts of the clover, but one plant. You know, others say, well, it's kind of like uh, H2O. You got, the, you got the vapor, and you got the ice, and you got the liquid, and uh, some people say, well, it's like light. You have a white light, but but when it's refracted, it, it goes into three primary colors. Uh, you know what? Any illustration you try to use is going to fail at some point, right? Because it's just beyond us. But here John is talking about Jesus. His focus is Jesus. And he said, in the beginning was the Word, the one who created all things, and he was with God, and at the same time, he was God uh, some have erroneously translated was a God. It's not what that says, not what the text says. Go to the Greek, do the study. He was God. He was with God and what God in the beginning. Jesus in the Godhead, the eternal son, existing in fellowship with the Father and the Spirit. And you know, we get a little flavor of this in John 17 when Jesus was in the upper room right before his death. He was praying. And this is what he said, now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory which I had with you before the world existed. <laughs> Boom, right? I mean, is he mind-blowing here? I mean, wow, he's got God. I, I, Father, I can't wait to be with you and have the glory that I had with you before the world even began. That's, that's who Jesus is. This is the word now becoming flesh. This is the wonder of Christmas. And this is really what Charles Wesley was really trying to capture in his Christmas song. Listen to these words. You've sung them many times before, but just now savor them. Chew them uh, up in your mind. Let, let, savor these words. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity. Please with man to men, with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. That's the mystery and the wonder of Christmas. That's the wonder of his identity. J.B. Phillips, the great pastor writer, he said this, if God was small enough for me to figure out, he wouldn't be big enough for me to worship. And I believe that's true, right? There's this mystery. People go, well, I can't really understand that. Welcome to the club, all right? Uh, we can't fully understand. It's beyond us. It's too wondrous for us. The wonder of his identity. But there's more. If you keep digging, you'll find another diamond. Here it is, the wonder of his gift. The wonder of his gift. Look at verse four. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Circle the word life there. Uh, it's usually the word bios, which we get the word biology from, the study of physical life. Uh, it is not that word here, though. It is the word zoe, which means uh, fullness of life, or deeper life, or the source of life. Uh, it's the idea of John 10.10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. You know, there are a lot of people that are alive, but they don't really have life. Do you agree with that? A lot of people that, you know, they're, hey, you're alive, but you're not really living the fullness of life 
that Jesus has. And what a tragedy it is that people like will run away from Jesus thinking they're going to find life. You know, what a, what a tragedy. Man, I'm going to get rid of Jesus. I'm not going to read my Bible. Anymore. I'm going to have a party over here. That's really living, man. Uh, eh, wrong. Uh, that's, you're going to find how empty that is. Well, man, I'm going to put everything into this job. And I'm going to get this promotion. I'm going to get that corner office. I'm going to sacrifice my family. Do whatever it takes. You're going to find how empty that is. Only real life that's worth living is found in Jesus. In him was life. And look at it, what it said. And that life was a light of men. That Jesus' life brings light to our life. You know, we love uh, Christmas lights, right? So how many of you have I got your lights done on your house, right? Got some lights done on your house yet? Nobody? All right, well, y'all need to get busy. All right, yeah, now we're a few of you. Okay, all right, now, now you're making me raise my hand. All right, I, I've, done, I've done a few lights. You know, I, was, I was thinking this year, talking with Liz, we're like, we're going to really go all out this year. We're going we're gonna to go all out. We're going we're gonna to put the lights on the house. We're going we're gonna to go all out. I mean, this is the year we're going to do it. And then I uh, got a bid for that. And I said, we're not going to go all out. We're not, we're not going all out. So I'm out there putting my goofy little lights, you know, in, in our front yard. But we love light, right? Because it, it just, it, it, it removes the darkness. And what, what John is saying here is, is that the world is a very dark place. Would you agree with that? This world is a very, very dark place. And, and in the darkness of this world, Jesus came as a light. He came as a light in this dark world. And look at verse five. I love verse five. Up to this point, he's been talking in past tense. If you look, I counted six was's, all right? Uh, six times the word was is used, past tense, past tense. Then you get to verse five, and then it says it shifts to present tense, and the light shines, literally continues to shine in the darkness. And so the idea is that when Jesus came, now with his coming, there is finally light, Right? Now that there, there's hope and there's, there's light in a dark world because Jesus Christ has come and that light continues to shine. And any time the gospel is preached, the light of God is shining. The light of God is shining in your life when the gospel is preached. You know, December 25th, uh, 2021, Christmas of last year, uh, NASA launched the James Webb Space Telescope. And uh, it's really cool because you can go online and you can actually see images live streaming from deep space. And it is going out into deep space, capturing incredible, incredible images of space. And what they're discovering is just confirming what they already know, especially with regard to light. Uh, scientists now know that light travels, get this, 188,000 miles a second. Now, we're talking about wonder here, right? Talking about trying to get our mind around. 188,000 miles in a second. That translates to 5.88 trillion miles in one year. 188 trillion miles in one year is how fast light travels. And that light year, 188 trillion miles, it becomes a measuring stick by which scientists measure the vastness of the universe. 
And so it's interesting that they can actually use this to determine how long it takes for light to get to us here on earth. For example, uh, just thinking about how fast light travels, light from the moon to get to earth only takes 1.3 seconds, all right? So it's super quick, right? 1.3 seconds from light emanating at the moon to us, 1.3 seconds. Uh, light from the sun to get to us only takes uh, eight minutes, all right? Eight minutes. It, it originated on the, on the sun and now it arrives to us eight minutes later. Pluto, if you go to the very far reaches now of our solar system, uh, light from Pluto to Earth would take five and a half hours. Take five hours for light from Pluto to finally get through space to get to us. And you know, that's fairly impressive, but once you get outside of our solar system, you go into deep space, it really becomes mind-bending how far light travels. For example, if you look at Alpha Centauri, which is the next galaxy closest to us that has a star similar to us, that galaxy, the light from that galaxy takes 4.3 years to get to us. Started there, 4.3 years, finally arriving here on earth where we uh, can see it. Here's another one, Orion Nebula. Check this out. Orion Nebula, the light that emanates from that, takes 1,500 years to finally reach Earth. Can you imagine? And now some scientists are saying there's some galaxies now with, with these high-powered telescopes out in space that, that say there's some galaxies that take billions of years traveling through uh, space, the darkness of space, to finally reach our eyesight where we can see a twinkle up in the sky. It's like the light is piercing the darkness. It's traveling. It is unabated through the darkness till it finally reaches its end. And this is what John says is like Jesus, that Jesus is the light and he penetrates the darkness I love what it says. Look at, look, look at what it says here. And the, the darkness did not overcome it. Look at your Bible. How does, it, how does it translate that? Some say cannot comprehend it. Some say cannot grasp it. Some say never extinguish it. The, the word to overcome there literally means to lay hands on, to overtake, all right? If I were to bring you up here and I'm like, lay hands on you and overtake you, overpower you, that's what the word means. He said that, and, and it indicates, the verb indicates an action in a point in time. So what he, John is saying is there was a time when the darkness tried to put out this light, tried to overcome the light, but the light would not be put out. Now, you Bible scholars out there, when was the time when the darkness tried to overcome the light and snuff it out? Some of you might go, oh, 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 I got that one. It, it was when Herod tried to kill baby Jesus. Well, that might be a good one. They will say, well, I know, I know, Pastor. It's uh, when Satan was tempting Jesus, trying to get him to divert from the cross. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, but most likely, it was at Calvary, Right? When all of hell came against Jesus and he, he suffered on the cross, the wrath of God poured out and it was, it was as if evil had won, but evil did not win because Jesus' light could not and would not be put out, amen? 
And three days later, rising again from the dead, uh, the light shines even now in the darkness. Here's what I want you to hear. No matter how dark life becomes, Jesus' light is greater still. In our last service, I, I made a phrase and I just kinda, it just kind of came to my mind uh, in the moment. I, I very seldom say this, but I said, you know, there's somebody here in this right now that needs to hear that no matter how dark it gets in your life, that, that Jesus' light will break through. Run to Jesus, look to Jesus. And then I just kind of went on with my message. And uh, after that sermon, a young lady came to me and said, oh, that was for me. She said, I've been in a really, really dark place. And I nearly didn't come. And I just felt the Spirit of God saying, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go. She said, I slipped in right, right before the sermon. And when you said that, God spoke to me that no matter how dark it is in my life, Jesus breaks through the darkness. He's penetrating the darkness with the hope of the gospel. That's Christmas, folks. That's the wonder of Christmas. He didn't leave us to ourselves. But the light has come for us. His gift to us is light and life. Let's look at this one more. There's a wonder of his identity. There's a wonder of his gift of light and life, uh, but there's also the wonder of his coming. Look at verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed his glory, the glory of the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is really what Isaiah was talking about when he said there's going to be a son coming, there's going to be a, a child of wonder born, right? A boy wonder given to us. That's what he was talking about here. And he said, you know, John is now writing all these years later, 700 years later. He's like, we saw him, man. We saw him. You know, John wrote the gospel of John uh, as the oldest and last surviving apostle. All the other apostles are dead now. They've all been martyred. John is Grandpa John. He is, he is the last living one. And I can imagine people gathering around him to hear and be, just be in the presence of the last apostle that was with Jesus. And not just an apostle, one like Thaddeus you know, or some guy that we didn't hear about. I mean, this is one that Jesus loved, right? I mean, this is one that was closest to Jesus. He was like Jesus' very best friend. And here he is, the people huddled around him. And he, I can just imagine him leaning forward with his eyes gleaming and said, we beheld his glory. We beheld him. The only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word beheld there means to be amazed at, to stand in wonder of. Let me ask you something. Have you stopped long enough to just be in amazement and wonder of Jesus? That's where you find the wonder of Christmas, is in the wonder that this God from the very beginning who created everything came to us bringing light and life, that he came to us and came for us. In November of last year, a British woman, a 70-year-old British woman, walked into an auctioneer's office 
with a small bag of costume jewelry she had collected from several estate sales. She loved to go to the estate sales and didn't really know if she, anything she had was of value. In fact, she thought that uh, at one point she would just toss it because she thought it was all just kind of junk. But her best friend convinced her, hey, you should at least have it looked at. And so she gave it to this auctioneer and he, uh, he said he would take a look at it and call her if he saw anything that was worth value. And he dropped it on his desk and the bag sat there for about three weeks. Um, finally, he decided to uh, take a look. He loosened the tie around it, dumped it out on his desk and kind of with a pen just started kind of examining the pieces. Only one seemed somewhat interesting, but he was sure it was a fake, but he went ahead and sent it off to a, a jeweler and actually came back that uh, the, the diamond he thought was fake was actually real. And, and, and not only is it actually real, but it was a 34 carat diamond worth over $2 million. Now here's a picture of it. Uh, the coin just kind of gives you the idea of the size of this thing. Two million dollars that this woman had just kind of collecting around the house and just sitting on the guy's desk. You know, nobody really, uh, well, I, I thought that she nearly threw it away. You know, it was just mind boggling, right? Why was it treated this way? Because they didn't really understand what they had. I think sometimes when we get to Christmas time, we can be so fixated on the fantasy that we really don't understand the precious jewel we have in Jesus. And this is a time when we get to hold him up and turn him into the light and see all his facets and all of his glory and be amazed and in wonder of his beauty. Do you know him like that? Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Maybe this morning you were here and God brought you here because he's redirecting you back to Jesus. Maybe you're in a dark place. Maybe it feels like hope is leaving, that darkness is encroaching. But what you need is to run to Jesus. In Jesus, there is life. If you want life, it's in Jesus. If you want light, it's in Jesus. If you want to start over, it's in Jesus. If you're looking for hope, it's in Jesus. Jesus came to you. He penetrated the darkness. He came to us on that Christmas morning so that you could know him and follow him. In fact, John wraps up his gospel with these words. He said, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So let me ask you something. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? I didn't ask if you're going to church. I didn't ask if you believe in God. I'm asking you, has there been a moment in time when you have recognized your sin and you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, to come into your life, to wash you clean, and you've committed your life to following him. And if today you are unsure of your relationship with God, then now is a the time 
to come to Jesus, to turn to Jesus. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith, just confessing our sin and asking Christ to come and forgive. And listen today, if if you've said, Pastor Craig, I've, ne- I've never known, done that, or I don't know for sure if I'm saved. But I want to ask you right now with your heads bowed, I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer with me. But if you're here today, you say, Pastor, that's what I need. Just heads bowed, nobody looking around. Pastor, that's what I need. I need Christ in my life. I want you to just lift up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not going to call you out, but it lets me know that God's working in your heart. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer right where you're seated. All right, thank you. Thank you. Lift up your hand. All right, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? All right. Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I need to know. All right, thank you. I need to know for sure that I'm right with God. Okay, you can put your hand down now. Just right where you're seated. God knows your heart. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. And I know I've gone my own way. But I believe, Jesus, you died on a cross for me and rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please wash away my sin. Please make me clean. Today I choose to turn from my sin and to follow you, Jesus. And I want to love you and follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me. And Father, I thank you for your word today and just how rich it is. Lord, I pray that this Christmas season we won't rush past the reality of Christ, the wonder of Christ. But we would stop and dig in your word and pull out these these diamonds of truth and hold them up and be amazed that you would care for us and that you would come for us in Jesus. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't give our attention to fantasies, but give it to the reality of Christ. And Lord, I pray that these truths would just stir up our heart to worship you more, to adore you and to praise you for who you are and how good you are to us and that you really love us. Lord, we worship you even now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.